Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Starts now. Hello, 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 and happy Wednesday. This is Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan, where we catch you up on the news of the day. Pop culture, our crazy lives, and so much more. Plus, some fun music in between right here on Channel Q. And guess who's back? Back, back, back again. Ryan the Slay Cod. God. The Slay what? Cod. (laughs) I am a slayful fish. (laughs) I've always always felt like I really resonated with cod. Is that your spirit animal? I think a cod sounds delicious. Oh, no. It's good in tartar sauce. And if you have a couple hush puppies around, that's a whole entire meal. The Slay God is back in studio. As you can hear. Yes, yes, yes. Did you miss me? Of course. I You're always lying. do. You're lying. <laughs> no, um, Dr. James told me what you both said uh-huh. about me while I was gone, Uh-oh. by the way. We've been caught, Vanessa. Yeah. Both said. He he called me right after and said, let me spill the tea. Oh, tell me the tea. I'm not going to say it live on air. We just got some things to talk about. Oh, with the show wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm shaking. I'm she shaking. Is. You know how I know? Yeah, I, I, I did this yesterday to um, Sheer oh, on was the mean. phone. Yeah, Ryan. I mean, it's like he he wants to pretend he's an actor. <laughs> he like always loves doing this. Like he has his own little prank reality show. First of all, it's you know it was the day after the Oscars, or a couple days yeah. after the Oscars, and I just am feeling like I could really pursue a career in acting. And so one thing I like to do is tell Sheer like, oh my god, there was something that I was waiting for to get. And um, I basically called her. I was like, should I tell her the good news off the top? No. So I was like, I didn't get it, Shira. And I looked devastated. She totally was just like, well, okay. No, no, no. I did not do that. <laughs> yes, she I did. Was like, she was like, okay, no, well. I paused and I was like, okay, I, I, I'm sorry. You win some and you lose some. Those were my words <laughs> She didn't even get that out of there. She was <laughs> I was just like, okay, um, well, that sucks. And he's like, I'm kidding. It happens. But he does this all the time to the point where it's getting like mean. Like, how many times can you mess with my emotions? I just I, I just want to see how emotional we can all get for each other. I'm already emotional Will you enough. cry for me? I cry every How day. do we know our relationship is real if you oh won't cry for me? That's all Don't cry for me. Argentina. Is that where you're going? Yeah. Oh, well. I'm back. You're welcome. Yes, I know you, you all missed me. Even though, thank you so much for Dr. James because he's yes. phenomenal and he's always around giving out smart tips 
Check out his Instagram, Ask the NP. It was cool having a doctor here, so whenever we talked about things medical, like I could just interview him. Did you tell him your fears about you feeling like, you know, about Wait, the vaccine or going? anything? Oh. Oh Did no, that just came up that? today really for me. Oh, Actually, God. we should bring him on for that. Yeah, he's there. He's also he's also a therapist. Like a friendly therapist. Yes. Not like an actual therapist. Well, we're all friendly therapists. <laughs> <laughs> So coming up on the show, I'm actually really excited. Uh, this is a story we've been wanting to cover, Ryan, for the past two days, and we kept on having to push it, but finally we have it for when you're back. The future of condom technology. I'm fascinated by this. I mean, I, I do wonder what that means. Exactly. Me too. It's coming up at 3.35 p.m. Pacific. What? Are condoms getting tighter? You'll have to find out. Six thirty-five p.m. Eastern. Tighter? That's like the one thing you went to. <laughs> That's that's true. You know, sometimes condoms are uncomfortable and they're too tight around. Well, wouldn't you. they be like more comfortable? You just get a maybe more. Size. All right. Moving <laughs> on. This is going like not where I want it to go. Let's get into some what's trending this hour. Biden is addressing Congress today for the first time in what will be his first State of the Union address, too. And here's Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer sharing what we can expect tonight. I expect President Biden, unlike his predecessor, will lay out the facts and appeal to our better angels. That's what he's been doing over these past hundred days, restoring effective, truthful, and responsive government. Almost as important as what President Biden is not doing. President Biden is not constantly stoking division, outrage, racial animus. He doesn't fan the flames of every single culture war. He doesn't seek to personally dominate every single news cycle. He doesn't insult, degrade, or constantly lie. Wow, you should take him out on a date. He sounds like a great guy. (laughs) That's on his Tinder profile. Uh, You know, this comes after a lot of the GOP are calling out Biden and saying that after the speech tonight, he's going to be feeding into the wokeness of the country. And we're going to be talking to Natalie Jennings from The Washington Post about that, actually, in 15 minutes. But um, also, more than 400 companies like Tesla, Pfizer, Delta Airlines, and Amazon have signed on to support the Equality Act that supports, of course, LGBTQ plus rights that is moving through Congress. The Human Rights Campaign said its business coalition for the Equality Act has grown to 416 members, including dozens of Fortune 500 companies. So good on all those companies for taking a stand in the HRC for bringing that all together. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, so Britney Spears is ready to speak in her conservative ship case. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So her attorney told the judge over her case that she is ready to speak to the court directly. We are going to be hearing Britney Spears on the stand in a very law and order type of way. No one was murdered or anything, but in a very law and order type of way courtroom. She's coming in, speaking her piece. Um, Now, he didn't say exactly what Britney wanted to discuss, but her first time speaking in court since uh, she she moved to remove her father, Jamie Spears, as her uh, the conservator, but said that it pertains to basically the status of the conservatorship. So this is going to be interesting. I mean, I'm waiting. I mean, according to sources that spoke with TMZ, Brittany hasn't been specific about what she wants to say to the judge, but it's more likely than not that she wants her dad out of here. Like, out of here. Yeah, I'm not sure how much time she had to prepare because she's been very busy making TikToks. I mean, what else is she going to do? 
I just was waiting to say that. I'm a big fan of her TikToks. No, you're not. You she does a lot of, of fashion transitions. You wanted to I'm make fun of her. I'm fascinated by her tattoos, like on her pelvic bone. I'm like, what, what are those? I think she could teach you a couple things or two about a TikTok. Hey, I'll do. Listen, if I can collaborate with Bruce Spears, I'll do it. Well, um, everyone prepare yourself because it's happening June 23rd. And so we're going to know exactly from her mouth everything that she's feeling about this conservatorship. And I do think she's going to tell people she's not performing anymore, which she hasn't really done in forever. But she's also going to say, you know, her dad is done and over. Like, no more having control over the things that she needs. I feel like she's capable of handling herself at this point. It's weird that yeah. she's 39 and her old-ass daddy's still trying to control her like she's 12. That is true. I don't know if her music career is completely done. Oh, I do. Really? I don't, I don't think she's... Maybe music, but without actually having shows and tours and all that. What's the point? I don't know. I think that she's not done. I think we're going to see more of her. Well, all right. That's your tea report. I got more coming up next hour, so stick around. Don't go anywhere, because, girl, the tea is juicy and it's hot. It's warm. It's ready to drink. Okay. Coming up, we'll be talking more about the GOP fears of wokeness after Biden's speech with the Washington Post. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. President Biden is planning to address Congress today for the first time in what is being considered his State of the Union address. And here to share more about what we can expect is the editor of The Fix from The Washington Post, Natalie Jennings, back with us. Thanks for being here. Hey. Hi. Good to be with y'all. Yes. Love having you. So why was this delayed? Because this is pretty late to do a State of the Union address, right? Yes, it is. But, you know, we've had a lot going on this year yes. um, with a pandemic and an insurrection. And, um, no, um, this was far later than the typical uh, State of the Union. This one is called a joint address because it's in the first year of the presidency. So a typical or a, a weird little quirk. But, yeah, usually State of the Unions are like February-ish. Um, but... Between the pandemic really complicating things, the the, um, the vaccine on the horizon, really extremely stepped up security at the Capitol um, earlier this year. It still stepped up, but not nearly as much as it was back in February. There were some big logistical hurdles to uh, to doing a big joint address to Congress. This one is going to be a lot um, more scaled back than we're used to seeing. Uh, a fraction of the members of Congress who usually attend are going to be there. But uh, but there are some logistical reasons. And I think it sort of worked out in Biden's, um, you know, a, a kind of a narrative way for him to do this at the end of his 100 days uh, of his presidency. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's what this whole entire thing is going to be about. His first 100 days, what he's accomplished, what he wants to get done. Can you break that down for us? Yeah, it, it's feels like kind of uh, tying a little bow on that first chapter of its presidency in a lot of ways. Um, you know, that 100th day will be tomorrow. Uh, it has been the chapter where he really focused very intensely on getting the coronavirus under the control. He always said that was going to be job one. He's gotten high marks for what he's done so far. Obviously, we're not in the clear on coronavirus, but uh, with the vaccine, on the horizon um, or having been taken by many people, um, the economy coming back, uh, Biden is focusing his um, agenda and his public facing agenda on different things, including the infrastructure plan he's proposed, which he will talk a lot about, and the um, American Families Plan, which he also proposed. Those are the things that Congress is really going to have to get involved in. He was able to move pretty unilaterally 
on a lot of things that happened with regard to the coronavirus thus far. Now is um, kind of when the dirty work has to get done, negotiating, deal-making. Um, he can't just move forward on his own. So it, it's really a pivot point in a lot of ways. And also people are, are talking about this free preschool and also college. Is he going to address that today? Yeah, he sure is. So this is part of the plan that um, everyone knew bits and pieces of what was coming, but it was officially uh, rolled out this morning. Um, and it is uh, got a lot in it. And it's a lot of things that are some sort of safety net things, um, some investments and in things that maybe other um, developed countries have that America doesn't, like, uh, like you said, preschool for three and four year olds. Um, subsidizing child care before that, um, putting in a little bit more of a safety net for uh, women caretakers to go to work, um, also making education more affordable. And he's wanting to do that by um, basically increasing taxes. And so uh, it's not going to be an easy sell, even within his own party across the board. So it's pretty ambitious. It's not, you know, the final version of what's going to come out, what's going to be voted on. Uh, but now is when the sausage making starts on figuring out what that's going to look like. Yeah. Well, speaking of taxes, perfect segue, Natalie. It's like we worked together before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as you mentioned, the White House plans to raise taxes on the wealthy, but not in the way that you might think. Uh, Natalie Jennings, the editor of the Fix for the Washington Post, joins us for that right after this. Let's go there with, with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. President Biden wants to raise taxes on the wealthy to pay for some of his policy proposals. Part of the way he can go about that doesn't actually entail touching the tax system at all, which I'm confused about, but I'm intrigued and curious. Back with us is Natalie Jennings, the editor of The Fix for The Washington Post. Explain how that's possible to hike up taxes, but not uh, touch the tax system. Um, so that is a little complicated. I mean, in one part of Biden's plan, he is wanting to raise corporate taxes, um, but he's also trying to do this in a way that goes around um, having to get Republicans on board. So he's eliminating a lot of tax credits. Um, he's doing things that he can do unilaterally, which means um, he can't just say um, taxes are raised right now. Let's go for it. Um, so straightforwardly. So it's, it's a little bit of a dodge, um, and he's hoping that that will maybe give Republicans who don't want to straightforwardly raise taxes and don't want to go tell their base that they want to raise taxes exactly, you know, they can kind of fudge it and say that they aren't doing it quite, uh, you know, in a straightforward way. Yeah, because the way that he's trying to do it is basically getting people to pay the taxes that they already owe, which seems really smart and like why we haven't done that before. Right. Uh, he wants to, to crack down on some of the loopholes. Uh, there's another thing that I thought, thought was pretty interesting, that he was going to use taxes more as a penalty for not um, doing things like with regard to climate, uh, not being, you know, if you're not in compliance with the, the, the emissions levels that he wants to set, he wants to raise taxes on companies that don't do that or at least not give them tax benefits. Uh, from doing that. So it's um, creative, I think. Um, and everyone knows how hard it is to get anything through Congress right now. So some creativity is going to be required. So what you mentioned is a tax gap that's dipping into the taxes that they haven't paid yet. Uh, what challenges, though, does the IRS have in handling this? Because they have limitations, too. Well, just kind of like all of us right now, the, the IRS is working from home and doing its job, um, you know, remotely, uh, a lot of it. But also, you know, they are not the 
they're a big agency, but they're, um, you know, personnel-wise, they're not equipped to go and enforce all of this stuff, and that's why you see these big backlogs. That's why you see, um, you know, really uh, clever accountants can get around a lot of things, and, um, you know, people place their bets in a certain way. When you have some amount of money, it makes sense to try to work around and see what you can get away with. So that's what he's trying to figure out, how not to let that happen, and he's granting some funding that will allow uh, him to do that. But realistically, and you kind of sp- touched on this last segment, was that he's getting some pushback even from Democrats. So is this really something that's going to bring everyone on the same page? Um, it's going to be tough. Um, but, you know, Republicans obviously are sort of the party that's most aligned with businesses. But Democrats are plenty, uh, you know, business and lobbyists and special interests are doing plenty to court Democrats. They always have. Uh, Some Democrats are more receptive to the business community than not, but there's plenty who are going to be feeling a lot of pressure from, you know, corporate interests, but also, you know, they feel like their home state has a tax base or the company that they don't want to harm. And so they're, you know, trying to work for them. And so, yeah, there's a lot of hurdles to navigate towards this. Yeah, and how sustainable would this be if he figured this out? Or would this just be a one-time thing? Well, people should be paying their taxes. Yeah, like, I know. Right? <laughs> so it's like, if it's out there, they, they got a, a due balance. Girl, they should be paying it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's some level of deterrence you can expect if it does work well. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Natalie Jennings, thanks again for joining us for this. All right. Check out Natalie's work. Uh, She's the editor of The Fix for The Washington Post. Coming up on the show, the full story about Kamala Harris published The New York Post that got this writer fired. We're going to be discussing that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The New York Post made a boo-boo. Yesterday, they quietly removed two articles falsely claiming that federal officials gave VP Kamala Harris's 2019 children's book to young kids held at migrant shelters. First of all, is the New York Post, did they make a boo-boo or are they the boo-boo? Oh, boo-boos all around. Because, honestly, why are they around? Meta, right? Uh, Well, they didn't include any attribution to back up their reporting, by the way. But, of course... After they posted that, you know, all the far right, all the conservative media picked up on it. Um, And it was actually based on this single photograph of one copy of her book being propped up against a backpack. Right. (laughs) And that was just like, oh, they're giving away this. They're giving away this book. She's doing book tours, you know, at the uh, border. Come on. Well, Fox News also had a field day with this. And on one of the shows, they were wondering if the government was paying for the book, whether or not she was making money on it. Um, And they're wondering whether that group would be spending money on the book or if there's like a third party doing this. Um, And then they also said, like, why are you spending money on this instead of buying food or clothes or other hygiene elements for the kids? So it's another reason why. like, So Republicans are saying this. Yeah, to drag the administration for not taking care of the kids at the border. But was Donald Trump doing that when he was in office? Well, they were actually saying that if this was Donald Trump, that people would be freaking out or like they would be also 
calling him out. That, and that's an interesting thing that I think Fox News tries to really hop on this bandwagon or even create the wagon. Um, they really want to try to say and create this comparison of like, oh my God, there's this complete difference in bias in the media coverage. And if, you know, Donald Trump was to do this, then it would have been so much. It would have been a whole entire S storm. My thing is, one, we don't know that. Two, why are we basing so many things off of what ifs? And then three, Donald Trump was an awful person, so he deserved all that backlash that he was getting in the media. Yeah. Are we, we, are we It wouldn't delusional? just be based on, like, one instance of him <laughs> doing something. It would have been, like, seven other things, and then, like, it would have been a cherry on top. Ruli Giuliani's exactly. getting entire. Like, it would have been all of these things around him. And so we have to, I, I think oftentimes Fox News loves to cherry pick. Cherry pick the things that wants to kind of get them riled up. And, and of course, they're trying to be some form of an entertainment television. I don't, I don't think they're news, in my opinion. And what if we did find out that she happened to have a book that she gave to a child? Is that wrong? Like, no. I mean, I mean what else are those children going to be able to do? I mean, like, I, I, I mean, it's sad it's that they're nice. even there. Yeah, obviously, it is for sure. Um, and tragic. Uh, you know, yeah, you would hope that they're providing them with something while they're waiting. I mean, I also feel like it's weird to even say, like, uh, you know, talking to, like, what's the best best case scenario of migrant children waiting at the border? Is there any best case scenario? Not right? really, to be quite honest. And there should already probably be things there, I would hope, if this is a place where, you know, they're saying that the standards are kept up and these kids aren't hopefully, like, just rotting in cages kind of thing. Like, there needs to be toys, there needs to be comfortable spaces, there needs to be, I'm, you know, there needs to be these things if that's going to be the, the system that we're unfortunately living in. To me, I wish we could have just abolished it all and get rid of it and leave folks alone because what's the point of it? Every time there's a photo that comes out of these spaces, it never looks good. It's yeah, like kids it's sitting weird. underneath aluminum foil blankets it, and it doesn't even feel like they're being taken care of, especially in the middle of a damn pandemic. It, well, like, what are we doing it's here? In, it's inhumane, obviously. Um, and so is, is this the entryway for them to continue to criticize this administration? Perhaps this was kind of the sh- cherry on the top for them. I mean, the only thing I will say I agree with Republicans on about the criticism is that, yeah, I do think, just like AOC, she's been speaking out against ICE and the things that are happening when it comes to uh, the immigration system currently. And, And she doesn't care who's in office, what party is in office. And I've really appreciated that um, because at the end of the day, this is a system that does not work and we continue to see it. It doesn't work no matter if you're Democrat or you're Republican in in, in the White House. Yeah. So at this point, we really got to figure something out because there's lives on the line. Yeah, we said yesterday we were talking about it. It's the weakest link right now. The it administration. is, for sure. Coming up on the show, Ohio is making some great moves for the trans community. Their latest announcement next on What's Trending this hour. Oh, there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're back, and it's time for another Top of the Hour news. Yes. You know, we've, we're having a great show so far. We are. Coming up on the show, though, in this hour, a new report that looks at the changing face of feminism as more women embrace diverse sexuality. Love that for us. I don't even know what that means. Well... I mean, I, I get feminism. I heard diversity. And sexuality. And sexuality. More on that in 15 minutes. Plus, the future of condoms and it involves technology. Watch out. That's also coming up this hour. First, let's get into some what's trending in the news, though. Rudy Giuliani's Manhattan apartment was raided by the FBI today as, as part of a criminal investigation that has been going on for more than two years over his dealings w- in Ukraine. 
And here's his son, Andrew Giuliani, reacting to reporters in front of the building today. The only piece of evidence that they did not take up there today was the only piece of incriminating evidence that is in there. And it does not belong to my father. It belongs to the current president's son. Oh, he's, of course, referencing President Biden's son, Hunter Biden's infamous laptop. Or maybe other things that we don't know. You know, here's the thing. I, I, I think this is going to be a great day for America. You know, Rudy Giuliani, the feds, everything feels like the pieces are coming together. The puzzle's finally being finished. Well, according to CNBC, the search lasted 45 minutes. Giuliani gave agents one cell phone, one iPad, and one laptop. Now, Ohio is one of only three states that doesn't allow transgender people to correct the gender on their birth certificates, but that is soon changing. A federal judge ruled in December that Ohio's ban on transgender people correcting the gender marker on their birth certificates was unconstitutional. And now Ohio is expecting to have a process for allowing trans people to update their birth certificates in place on June 1st. So go Ohio doing the right thing. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? So this Friday, Elliot Page is sitting down with Oprah for his first interview since coming out as trans, which is actually quite amazing. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So I'm very excited about this. Um, Elliot was asked about this in a new interview with Vanity Fair, which was done by a trans journalist, Thomas Page McBee. I would recommend everyone to go read that. I read it this morning, and it was absolutely incredible. We should really start seeing more trans journalists interviewing trans folks because you'll get a deeper layer of a conversation that you just wouldn't get normally. And I I think it's just so beautiful, and it's also kind of like one of my yes queens I was going to bring up a little bit later in the show, but... Let's talk about Elliot and Oprah, because the actor basically um, talked about why he decided to sit down with Oprah to talk about this. And he said that he saw the interview as an opportunity to use a wide reaching platform to speak from my heart about some of my experience and the resources I've been able to access with the therapy or surgery that have allowed me to be alive to live my life. Now, here is a clip of the Oprah interview dropping Friday on Apple TV+. Plus. So if you don't got it, maybe you should get it because I'm actually really excited about this. You know, I, I was expressing this to people in my life, you know, uh, uh, you know, much before um, posting that letter and telling people for um, the first time and knowing I have wanted a moment, you know, of course, to, uh, to you know, um, become comfortable in, in myself and, and to be able to kind of get to, to that point. And for me, I think it is in this time we're in right now, and especially with this, uh, you know, horrible black backlash we're seeing towards trans people, particularly trans youth, it, it really felt imperative to do so. And the experience I had closeted so long, you know, I mean, I I came out as as gay right before my 27. So, of course, you probably caught the emotion. He feels very nervous. He actually talked about that in the Vanity Fair piece where he was like, I I was just out of my entire experience just doing this. You can hear his voice You can hear it shaking, Yeah. yeah. And you can just see him just... 
I, I see someone who was confident, but I also see someone who understands the the pressure and the, 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 the responsibility of a moment like this. And so I can't wait to watch this. It's coming out on Friday, so oh, hopefully everyone's yeah. tuning in. Uh, it's going to be one of my favorite interviews. And it's also um, one of those interviews that she did with President Obama where it's like it's like CGI, where they the chair, they ship the same chair out and they put them in front of a green screen and they just digitally place them like they're like right in front of each other. It's really weird. It's like intense, but it's like really cool. The future of interviewing. Yeah, I really like it. I mean, Oprah has figured out this new wave technology. I think Drew Barrymore actually did it first on the Drew Barrymore show. And then um, Oprah was like, oh my God, let's do this. You know, I have all the money in the world, so why not? Next, it will be us. Um, Really quick, I'm <laughs> coming out of the team report. Las Vegas is open for business, and Channel Q is giving you the chance to get down to business. Poolside with Tiesto. Head over to WeirdChannelQ.com for your chance to win a trip to Las Vegas, including round-trip airfare for two and an epic two-night stay at the all-new Results World Las Vegas. Plus, we're throwing in two VIP passes, honey, to get you some Vegas sun, poolside, and catch Tiesto set at a day club at the day club at Resorts World Las Vegas. And so, super cute. We're, we're doing it for you. We got your, the next big thing that you need to do coming out of quarantine is winning these tickets so you can go out to Vegas. Yes. Why not? That's your team report. I am done spilling. Now, a new report that reveals how the next generation of women are embracing more diverse sexuality. We dive in next. Women ages 18 to 29 are increasingly rejecting heterosexuality and describing their sexual orientation in other ways. It's not surprising, but now it's official from this recent report. And joining us is Dr. Sean Massey, Associate Professor in Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies Program at Binghamton University, who was the co-investigator of this Human Sexualities Research Lab. Thanks for being here. Sure. Hi. Thanks so much for having me on the program. So what was the premise of this report and all this work you did over nine years? Yeah, so um, I have to be honest with you, um, the story behind the study is that we actually never intended to look at changes in sexual orientation over time. Um, It's sort of standard practice to collect information about sexual orientation um, together with other demographic characteristics for all the different studies we do. And we've been collecting data on on college student sexual behaviors for about 10 years and, and over 10 years, actually. And we just we, we look we, it all, suddenly occurred to us that we had a lot of data and that we should probably explore if there are any changes or trends. And we did it. And we, what we found is really, really surprising. What's surprising about it? Well, um, we, first of all, we looked at about over 5,000 students were surveyed between 2011 and 2019. And, and we'd asked questions about um, sexuality, looking at sexual identity, sexual attraction, sexual behavior. And we used a scale that measured uh, these things across uh, like, seven, like seven, seven points. So it basically went from exclusively heterosexual all the way to exclusively homosexual, kind of following what Kinsey did, you know, way back in the day. And, you know, at first what we found, and we kind of expected this, is that college students seem to be moving away from being exclusively heterosexual. They seem to be moving, becoming less heterosexual overall. Yeah, because it's boring. But when we took gender into consideration, what we found was this is primarily happening with women, that men 
really we didn't see the same kind of changes with men. In fact, they tended to be more likely to describe themselves as exclusively heterosexual more than women. But then the changes that we were seeing over the 10 years, and it was like a really dramatic change, was primarily women. Hmm. And um, women basically reported kind of moving away from exclusive uh, heterosexuality or exclusive attraction to the other sex, um, but not men. So interesting, because I... I wonder if both genders are there, but just men haven't aren't sp- still not speaking up about you it. You took as the much. question right out of my mind, Shira. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we actually think that that's true too. That there, I mean, there's a lot of things that could affect it, right? And one of the things we were sort of reacting to is is that this story is typically told through the lens of, of the LGBTQ rights movement, right? That we have we've made progress in terms of things like marriage equality and. And that that's what's driving these trends. In fact, Gallup, the Gallup organization just put, you know, put out their poll, which showed similar trends overall, and really described it as coming primarily from the successes of the LGBTQ movement, right? But, but what we, we thought about, well, then why would there be differences here, you know, between men and women? Why would, they, why would they be so dramatic? And part of what we also kind of had found out over the years is that, that you know, that the sort of success of the feminist movement you know, has really been in in the ways that it has sort of changed uh, basically the situation of women and and, and gender roles and sex roles with women, sort of moving them away from some of the traditional uh, notions that that sort of require women to sort of be um, both kind of focused on men, right? And, And lesbian feminism specifically talked about compulsory heterosexuality as sort of this this sort of source of gender inequality, that women's dependence and focus and, and the need that women need to focus on men is what was sort of driving a lot of, of gender inequality. Right. And so what we were thinking is that, well, you know, feminism has really changed um, gender roles and sex roles for women, but those same changes haven't really happened as fast with men. And so what, what we thought we, we would be seeing here is that in addition to kind of LGBTQ progress, we also are seeing kind of the, the consequences of, you know, a century of, 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 of uh, feminist progress. And that, that basically that's what's also sort of contributing to this greater change among women. So interesting. Well, you know what? I have so much more to ask, but we have to wrap up. This is uh, really uh, fascinating work. And thank you for joining us. Real quick, though, you got 30 seconds. When there is a poll, when the Gallup poll earlier this year said that, you know, most Americans or most Gen Zers are, you know, coming out as queer. It doesn't really seem like this is a surprising study, especially if we see that queerness is basically the future. So what do you what do you think that's going to look like? And when you're further examining your research and there's different sexualities besides just heterosexuality and homosexuality, how do you guys think that will continue to evolve as your research evolves? I think that's a really great question. And, and honestly, we have a whole line of, of, of questions that we want to explore further. Remember, this was sort of like a looking back at archival data as opposed to sort of planning the whole thing from scratch. Right. We've really changed the way we ask about gender in our in our survey research. We, we really, you know, we need to, to also change the ways that we ask about sexuality. We want to keep asking these same questions so we can track it, you know, over the next next decade. But we, we need a whole bunch more complimentary questions to go with it, and we plan to do that. Okay, that was Dr. Sean Massey from Binghamton University, also co-investigator in the Binghamton Human Sexualities Research Lab. Have a great rest of your day. Hey, thank you so much. Take care.
You too. Now coming up, the search to make a perfect condom. That is next. I'm excited for this one. I bet you are. A little nasty. Brace yourselves. We're about to talk about condoms and the future of condoms. You know, uh, a lot of people have their own opinions about condoms. And nearly 30 billion... If we're talking about condoms, I should play boys. Yeah. Hey. There you go. So 30 billion condoms are sold around the world each year. Which is a lot of condoms. Which I'm happy that many people are buying condoms. That means there's less kids. And yeah, the, STD issues. That's true. But the question is, as much as people are buying condoms, are they using them? Oh, that's a good question. Right? And even actually in COVID, the New York Post just uh, posted about how there's a surge in condom buying right now. Yeah, because there's a lot of, ha- I almost said the other word, there's a lot of sex happening because what else are you supposed to be doing? And people are going back at it. They're getting ready are they, for always the opening, the yeah, world opening, sure. right? Yeah. Uh, and so this article really caught our attention from the BBC.com right. about the search for the perfect condom. Which, before we dive into the article, okay. what is your relationship with condoms? Do you like them? Do you hate them? Let's um, be honest. I I don't like them, which is probably why I tend to like, in the past I have been more monogamous mm-hmm. than like, you know, than um, seeing a lot of people because I just don't, I, I, I like being able to not use them. Yeah, it sucks. They're uncomfortable. And they're not as good. Does it feel like you're going shopping at Ralph's and you ask for a bag and you're putting that bag inside oh, it? Oh, God. That's why, I mean, a bag, I, that's, honestly, condoms are so uncomfortable. It's literally like putting plastic inside yeah, it. Yeah, it just doesn't feel good. And so um, I know that, you know, we need to use it for protection to be safe and that we recognize that here at Channel Q. Do you normally have the condom or does the guy have the condom? I always wonder that when, when it comes to heterosexual. It's so funny. I never was the person. And then I felt it as I got, yeah, older, I started... I would have it like you don't in have my a condom drawer. I well, you know when we got actually, I had a bunch of condoms when we got them at this event we had, <laughs> and because of that, I had condoms. But I was typically not the person to have condoms, which is not good. Mm. Uh, but that said, yeah, uh, yeah, they're uncomfortable and they kind of suck, which is why I'm excited about this conversation and the future of condoms. But what about you? Yeah. I- for me, condoms have always been kind of awkward for me, right? Like, even when I first, like, the first time I ever put on a condom, I felt so uncomfortable in the sense of being like, well, what is this stuff inside of it? And then, like, it just didn't, it felt weird. And then you you just go back to the middle school sex ed conversations where they're putting the condom over a banana and you're just awkward, right? It's it's always been that awkward thing. Also, when you first do it with someone, just don't ask, should I do this? Just do it. And then oh, have the conversation true. after the fact as you get to know them. Well, you hey, should. what do you, you think about that? Yeah. yeah, just always do it automatically. Yeah. I hate this in the middle of the act. You're like, should I, should I not? And you're like... Yeah. Why are you doing this now? And anyway. There, there's this interesting thing. Um, uh, there was a show called I May Destroy You. I love to relate things back to shows. But uh, there was a scene where basically the guy, he was wearing a condom at first, and then he, in the middle of sex, he took the condom off. And it really brought up this interesting conversation about consent. Yeah, don't do that. Because that is not consensual. No. And I think for me, going back to my relationship with condoms, I've always used them. Um, but when I start to date someone or like I'm only, like we know we're only having sex with each other, then we get a little loose with the rolls, which is not smart, but I think that also comes with being regularly tested you know as well. Because yes. that's something that I don't play about. And and we're being real here. Just this having a-, a healthy conversation about sex. Exactly. You have to have that. So uh, this article was wild because the early condoms, it showed a picture, and I'm sorry, it was strange to see this picture. 
they were made out of sheep intestine. Oh, yeah. And, and it looked very uncomfortable. It's pretty big, too. Which And they had wires. It, it almost was put together by what looked like wires or like <laughs> like why would you want to put that inside and think of uh, one of those things when you're 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 paying tribute to someone on the beach and you uh, you light it up and you it floats off into the ocean you know the lanterns uh-huh. that's what this looks like oh my god yes it does look like that <laughs> it looks like if you put a candle in it it'll literally float off to sea um, that is true. Think about if it. If you can imagine that. Well, you know, the, the issue is is latex, right? The, a lot of people are not into latex, allergic to latex. So a lot of these companies are trying to figure it out. Who's going to be the first person to build the future condom? But do you think that's really, even if you come out with the most comfortable condom ever, when I tell you, it feels like a pillowcase. It feels like you could, it's just like, oh, am I even wearing anything? It's a second is that, skin. Is that still going to make people want to wear a condom? I think if they feel like it's comfortable and it feels good, maybe it needs to add something to the experience. What does that mean? Like a vibration? Um, or something like what if it could and then it would be it would feel like an addition like added value you can't want make people wear something that's not an added value well what's the well the added value i, I guess know. is I not heard, getting stds and I not getting pregnant buy one get one deals are always good if you buy a pack give me one for free there's also going to be some that um allow you to create custom fits in 60 sizes and also There's 60 size wow and also, I mean, penises are diverse. a company is testing out a condom that uses a built-in applicator that allows the condom to be put on without it being touched. Like a robot condom? <laughs> That's a little intense. I don't know about a robot condom. Listen, there's a lot of things out there. Anyway, what do, what do you think about this? What is your personal take on condoms at LGT shows where you can find us I would love to know. Do y'all hate media? condoms? Actually, that's a really interesting conversation. Hit us up at LGT show. Let us know if you, you like them or you, do, you love them. Because I think we should all have some type of relationship with them, regardless if we like them or not. Yeah, it opens up a much-needed discussion, that's for sure. Well, coming up, the White House is calling out this big-time podcast host for threatening vaccinations. We'll tell you who next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, So the White House is calling out Joe Rogan for comments he made on last Friday's episode of his popular show, The Joe Rogan Experience, where he discouraged young folks from getting vaccines. Here it is. It's safe to get vaccinated. I do. I do. Okay, we're going to be playing that now. We just had some tech difficulties. And people say, do you think it's safe to get vaccinated? I've said, yeah, I think for the most part, it's safe to get vaccinated. I do. I do. But if you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I, I go, no. Yeah. Are you healthy? Are you a healthy person? Like, look, don't do anything stupid, but you should take care of yourself. I can't believe that there was a time where I had a crush on Joe Rogan when he was hosting uh, Fear Factor. He was a fine man when he was hosting Fear Factor. But now... Now, yeah, scum. <laughs> because my thing is, Joe Rogan is one of the top, 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 top people with platforms in a way that people oh, yeah. really latch on to every period, I, dot, all these things. And mm-hmm. it's just so irresponsible for him to tell 21 plus year olds that oh my god if you're healthy and you're eating a carrot and you're skinny and you you work out on the regular basis don't take this vaccine 
There's already vaccine hesitancy. What's the point of saying that to all of your followers? I don't understand why brands even go to him. Well, now, you know, of course, him being on Spotify and people have called out Spotify for, you know, bringing him on board because he has some problematic stuff. And I guess they didn't bring on some of his episodes that were in question. They took him. They deleted them. They actually did bring them on, but they're silently deleting them. We reported it here on the T-Report. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, already the administration is dragging him for this. Yeah, Mr. And like, Fauci is not And, like, typically, it. I mean, this isn't the first time he said stuff about vaccines, but this is kind of the first time the administration has said, okay, we're going to call you out. Well, it's also because Fauci got asked about this in an interview. Well, the weird thing is, I feel like um, Joe Rogan, he likes to, like, sometimes stick his big toe into the QAnon world and he likes to hover around it but he's not like deep into it so he'll say things where he's like questioning things and it make him look like he's just enlightened and he's questioning well he's being provocative yeah yeah and it's just like no this is problematic and a problem well so Fauci said you can get infected and will get infected if you put yourself at risk that was his response to what Rogan had to say but a lot of people are not having it. Yeah, they, it's like they, we keep on getting these comments from him. And he it's almost like he thinks it's kind of like funny or he has the right to share this because he knows that this will make a difference. Right. Like He's he knows the so minute serious. he says something, it will make a difference. Well, now, yeah, he seems like in this statement he was pretty serious. Yeah, he's not smiling or laughing. He's actually being quite serious on what he's telling people. And I just don't know how much longer, to be quite honest, I feel like Joe Rogan really did come out of nowhere. In my opinion, no, it does. He, I, he didn't really come out of nowhere. But what I would say is he's... He was like white people's best kept secret. And, and I wish and they would have kept him a secret. He's still there. Well, not best kept secret. He's like no, he's everywhere. I, I wish he, they, y'all would have kept him in y'all's own little world and just had him out there for y'all's kitchen table talk. Because for me, I'm tired of him seeing him on the internet saying these harmful things and then making 11 plus million dollars on deals just so he can continue to say it. Well, so comedian Bill Burr was on his podcast also. And, and this is where he kind of got a bit full of himself. And he's like, yeah, let's talk about the vaccine stuff. And Bill Burr is like, I'm not... T- I, as someone who's not a medical professional, I'm not talking to you who's not a medical professional about something That's smart. that is important. And Power. he did drag him. And I, like, I thought that moment was important and needed. Yeah, I don't know. So what do you way. think about all this Joe Rogan stuff, him calling out the vaccines, giving this advice to young people who are, by the way, now are the most, and, and, and the most who can be compromised because of the variant and how it's impacting. This is impacting younger and younger people. Mm-hmm. Let us know at LGT show on social media. Should he be taken off platforms like Spotify? I don't know. We want to know. Coming up, we've got what's training this hour. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up this hour, how schools are using software to block LGBTQ plus content. And in 30 minutes, we've got musician Jake Wesley Rogers joining us, who's part of an event you have coming up. What? Uh, right with oh, Equality California. Oh yes, uh, I am. I'm hosting an evening for equality 
um, uh, for Equality California. I'm super excited about it. It's a, a beautiful fundraising event. It's also going to be some amazing performances like Estelle, Jake Wesley Rogers, Justin Trantner, so many others. And there's going to be some beautiful conversations had. And I was just grateful and honored that they asked me to host the event. So, yes, it says I'm super excited. I haven't met Jake yet, but this will be our first time. So cute. Well, excited to hear more about that and to talk to him. That's in 30 minutes. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. A judge has ruled that the body camera footage of police fatally shooting Andrew Brown Jr., a black man in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, will not be released to the public, but will be shared with Brown's family. Of course, protests are continuing over many unanswered questions of all of this. Uh, Very tragic news, and we'll continue to be covering this as we find out more. Uh, But we've got some good news happening in D.C. There is a new queer bar opening. COVID has caused a lot of the lesbian bars to close down. And during the pandemic, this uh, couple, Rachel Pike and Joe McDaniel, they came together to do a little virtual bar. Okay, so they started hosting these virtual events and it was called At as you are bar, right? Well, now they're going to be transitioning to a physical space in DC, which is so exciting. And so you can check out as you are bar very soon if you're in the Washington DC area. So that's a bit of an early Yaz queen as well. How exciting is that? I mean, it sounds just like a Zoom meeting with drinks. Yeah, but then they made it into a real venue. I'm excited about that. I love that. I don't know if I'll be going, but I'm excited to hear that DC has another queer space. Exactly. It's beautiful. And that was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News, Ryan. Okay, so Willow Smith, you know this damn red table, it gets everybody talking. And uh, Willow Smith is being uh, very open about how she views relationships. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So... It's really interesting. Um, Basically, she's opening up about being polyamorous on this latest episode where um, she spoke with her mother, Jada, and her grandmother, Adrienne Banfield Norris. Um, And here's what she had to say about what interests her about polyamory. For somebody like me, it feels like it's really all just centered around I mean, I'll give you an example. Let's say you haven't always been the kind of person that wanted to have sex all the time, Mm -hmm. but your partner is. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be the person to say, you know, just because I don't have these needs, you can't have them either? Right. And so that's kind of one of the reasons why I actually was interested in poly because I was introduced to it through kind of a non-sexual lens. In my friend group, I'm Mm -hmm. the only polyamorous person and I have the least sex (laughs) out of all of my friends. Okay. I mean, here's the thing. I, I do think there's really something to our last segment that we talked about last hour about feminism and, and women really kind of being able to explore so many different avenues of sexuality or just their sexualness and desires. And um, she basically came out at, in this episode as a polyamorous person, which I don't know if it's the same thing, but that's what place uh, publishers are saying that she did. Um, I think that's really interesting. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I, there's so many things and interesting things that people can take away from polyamorous relationships. Mm -hmm. Me personally, sis, I don't know if it's for me, 
But I do like how she explained what's perfect for her, and that's all that matters. And it was also beautiful seeing her mom and her grandmother, yeah, as usual, them. just being like, yeah, they are cool. goals. They are family goals. You know, like, it just feels honest. It feels raw. And um, I just really appreciate that. And, and shout out to her, girl. Go ahead. Have two girlfriends. Have two boyfriends. Have a girlfriend and a boyfriend. Have a, a, a lady them and a, a them, a, you know, a non-binary person. I, I just think it's 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 just incredible. I, shout out to I Gen applaud Z. anyone who did that. I, once again, I've talked about this before. I can barely handle my relationship with myself, let alone If you could do it and, and, and be able to give many people what they deserve and what they need as well as what you need I applaud you for sure alright well next hour stick around because I gotta tell you to how you can win a trip to Vegas and party with DJ Tiesto um, right on our dime honey we paying for it we got everything for you so stick around next hour for that news okay well coming up next we've got a special guest joining us musician songwriter Jake Wesley Rogers who's gonna share more about how he's using his music to share more about queer storytelling and the power of that that's next Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Okay, so let's talk about a name everyone should know. Jake Wesley Rogers. Honestly, this little icon in the making, I might be a new fan for sure. He's a new artist. He signed to Justin Traitner's um, imprint of Warner Records. And I heard this song first, which we're about to play before he comes online. Um, it's called Little Queen. And this song, it kind of made me a believer. Here it is. And he keeps calling me his little queen. Baby's always doing make believe. Every night I cut his widow's peak. Cause he don't like the way he used to be. And there's a fire in the apple tree. A perfect stranger lying next to me. Are you kidding me? Everyone, please welcome musician songwriter Jake Wesley Rogers to Let's Go There. How you doing, Jake? Oh, hello. You're so sweet. I'm good. How are you? Seriously, it's either me being obsessed with your Instagram. It's either me being obsessed with just who you are as a person. Where did you come from? Where does someone like Jake Wesley Rogers come from? (laughs) I I actually identify as an alien. (laughs) I mean, whatever, it's working because, yeah, you. I was saying, does anyone who's young these days go through an ugly phase? Because everyone. I said that, and she just stole my joke. She just stole my joke. talking about it. Because, yeah, you you just. You have such a cool look and and the work you're doing is so great uh talk to us about and also you're you're launching a new album right middle of love yeah. next week yeah next week i'm so excited yeah it's uh it's been a lot of preparation just um just started working with justin trainer you mentioned like um a year and a half ago and yeah i've just been i've been writing this album i'm really really excited for the new stuff to be out i feel like it's like a a whole new new playing field and new colors and new sound and 
Yeah, I'm pumped. I wish we could play it right now, but we'd I, probably get in trouble. No, we'll get in trouble, and I don't got time for that. But here's the thing. Your last EP, was it was called Spiritual. And I think yeah. when you watch the the work that you put out, it really can, you're, you can tell that you're such an artistic human, and you're telling a message. What message are you wanting people to grasp onto, especially coming out of this pandemic, and you were just kind of busy creating? What What's that message that you want new Jake Wesley Roger fans to know? Oh, I... I was just so struck in so many ways. Like I, the, the, I started writing this album when I was on a walking tour in London, an Oscar Wilde walking tour. And oh. about halfway through the tour, the guide said, "If there's an enemy in Oscar Wilde's story, it was his lover Bozy." And it just like hit me really hard. I was like, for so long, like the queer narrative has been, you know, just tragedy. Um, so that really interests me. But then I noticed like my grandpa, his wife died, my grandma, and I noticed like he was dying from this love too. So the whole message is like, love can heal you or hurt you. Um, and for so long in my life, I feel like I've let it hurt me. And Mm. it's kind of this transition. I'm trying, still trying to, to get to the place where it's, where it's a healing thing, where love sets you free. And that's, I mean, that's kind of my, my whole my whole gig has set myself free and hopefully help other people find that. Yeah. And queer storytelling, how are you bringing that into your music and your own identity? Yeah. I feel like I just really (laughs) did a lot of research the past couple of years and it just kind of bled into it. Um, And just realizing that like, you know, how, how many people had to walk in order for us to start, Let's say we're jogging now. <laughs> Let's say maybe we're galloping. <laughs> I don't think we're running yet. Um, but, but you know, it's just this, it's just this ongoing tapestry, I feel like, that we're weaving and I didn't start it and I'm not going to finish it. Yeah, um, you're not you're yeah. not finished anytime soon. We, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I'm so excited. The the next big thing that people can really, if they want to, they've listened to you here and like I'm obsessed with him because guess what? You're part of uh, Evening for Equality, the event that Equality California, an amazing organization, is putting on that is just really all about just raising some awareness about the amazing work Equality California does, and we're all coming together and just putting on some amazing performances, which they get to see you perform, which is exciting oh i am so thrilled um (laughs) to be on the line to be on the lineup like it's stacked oh i know right like literally when they asked me to host it i was like are you sure not with a stale peppermint justin and jake this is too much but yeah i'm I'm so excited that everyone can literally go check that out and of course middle of love is going to be uh, released may 7th i'm I'm obsessed with you. I I can't wait to oh my to see you shine and even brighter than you're already shining. Oh, you're so sweet. I'm obsessed with y'all. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully next time we'll have you back, we could play some of your music. Yes. Are oh, you kidding me? Easy, easy peasy. I had to go into the archives to play that uh, to Little Queen, but no, seriously. <laughs> yeah, no. Where'd you even find that? <laughs> that? That's not your business. I got my ways. <laughs> Thank you so that's much, so Jake, sweet. for coming on the show. Uh-huh. We can't wait to have you back on very, very soon. Tell everyone where they can keep up with you. Oh, um, I'm at Jake Wesley Rogers on all social media. You got amazing. Well, thanks so much for yes, having me. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Yeah, y'all take care. Bye. Me too. Coming up on the show, uh, schools are using software that block LGBTQ plus content. We're going to be telling you more about Motherboard's latest investigation next.
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. An investigation by Motherboard found software being used in schools allows racist groups like the KKK to go through while flagging LGBTQ plus health sites as porn. And joining us right now is Todd Feathers, freelance journalist focused on the intersection of technology and human rights, who wrote this article in Vice.com. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Shira. So what spurred Motherboard to start this investigation? Yes. So what spurred us is actually a a student at a school who uses one of these companies as their monitoring software had reached out. um, Oh, we just have a little tech issue. We'll be bringing uh, Todd back on Uh, what he was talking about was basically um, these schools that use the software and some of them are called uh, Bark or Securely. They basically make sure that uh, students won't go on sites that are inappropriate, right? Yeah. And I, I think this is really interesting, right? Because when I was in school, obviously, I mean, it probably wasn't as like polarizing now. Like we weren't looking up things. That I don't are remember looking up anything crazy. Like, but I guess sometimes, I mean, do you think, and this is more of a gender thing, do you think. Uh, Boys are. I, I, well, are you saying boys are gross and they're looking at porn at school? Yeah, versus girls. Oh, he just hung up again. <laughs> so, we're, so we're having some tech difficulties with our with our guests, but it's fine. I mean, maybe I, I do know if you know. Uh, there's a saying that my my grandmother used to say, like idle, like idle mind is a devil's workshop. And so, like if you have things that you're just not doing anything, what that means is like if you just have this free time, you can literally do anything. But I, I do think this system and this investigation that Motherboard did, um, seeing that certain words are being flagged, yes, he is back on line, Mr. Todd Feathers. Thank you for I'm joining so us. I'm so sorry about that. No, we're sharing our background of, show. of what we were looking at on computers yeah, when we were young. We were saying that I, boys are gross and we look at porn, and Shira thinks <laughs> girls are perfect and they don't do anything. Yeah, well, I, I think it's... um. You know, it's perfectly fine for people to look at porn. And exactly. And we're not shaming, by the way. Oh, and honey, and we're not support. creating gender uh, rules in this either. We were just, you know, uh, looking back at the past. But let's get into, yeah, what started this investigation. Yeah, so I, like I was saying, we, we were contacted by a student whose school uses securely one of these companies that monitors um, the websites that students visit and blocks many of them using artificial intelligence to decide what is appropriate and what's not. And the student had this list of over 60 websites, um, almost all of them having to do with LGBTQ issues, um, uh, you know, advocacy websites for sex workers and and sexual health websites um, that talked about sexually transmitted diseases. They were being blocked for reasons that were, you know, not clear. And it was pretty obvious that what was happening is that a lot of things that just had words like gay or lesbian or trans were being caught up in the filter. And since no human was looking at it, um, they were just you know, restricted from doing these at a lot of schools. Yeah, what what's interesting about this, it kind of reminds me of what was going on with YouTube at one point when it was kind of like flagging a lot of the LGBTQ plus content. And it's, it's, it feels like this is something that's happening kind of in the tech space of them flagging the wrong things or like the algorithm flagging the wrong thing. How is this getting better? It feels like it's getting worse at this point and just kind of letting kids not find out any like or find out everything that they need to know about the KKK and Nazis. But LGBTQ content mm-hmm. X'd out. Yeah, it just feels like it's just not good right now. 
Yeah, well, I think that's one of the saddest things about this is that it was entirely unsurprising. Um, I, I kind of fully expected this to be the results when I started looking into it because, you know, as you said, even, even the best, you know, and the biggest tech companies in the world have not shown that they can design algorithms that are devoid of bias. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's a problem that <laughs> a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me in, in the tech space have been talking about for years and have been proposing solutions to, but it's, you know, it's not cost effective. It's not the best way to make money. And, and in some cases, algorithms are just not the right tool for the job. And yet people want to use them because they're buzzy and they're cheap and they sound fancy. Yeah. And did any of these companies get back to you on this? Yeah. So, so one of the companies I wrote about Bark, which is, the, the context for that one is that it was letting through a, a lot of emails that you know had explicit messages about wanting to join white supremacist groups. And, and the CEO of the company in email told us that actually their algorithm had been performing as intended because you know it, <laughs> there wasn't enough context in the messages for it to pick up on things. And that you know if there had been text that was related to an adult trying to groom a child, then it would have been flagged. But I, I talked to an expert in, in data science who, who works on these kinds of tools at the Southern Poverty Law Center. And she said that, you know, first of all, anything like this should be able to catch a word like Ku Klux Klan. And that's not even good enough because the way that white supremacists communicate online is layered in all kinds of, you know, coded language and memes. And, and no algorithm out there is going to be good enough to give parents the sense of security that these kinds of of companies are promising. Right. And when Motherboard does like investigations like these, what what type of accountability do you now put on these companies to say, well, what what are you going to do to make sure this isn't happening? Like what comes next? Or schools even. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's a very good point. And it's something definitely worth following up on. Actually, I, I wrote a story about some of these companies two years ago. Um, and, you know, in that story, I talked to an executive at Securely and asked him about this problem of how do you distinguish if, you know, a student writing an email is using the word gay in, you know, just a conversational context or if they're using it to, you know, insult or shame somebody, you know, something that potentially might want to be flagged. And he said, well, we're we're working on it and it's getting better. Hmm. Two years later, we're we're still, you know, finding this issue. So, you know, we're going to keep covering this, but, you know, it's something that I think is going to have to happen at the the school district level um, in order for there to be change for kids. Okay, well, uh, thanks for being here and for doing this investigation. Really we appreciate it. Stuff. Yeah, well, well, thank you both so much for having me. That was Todd Feathers, freelance journalist focused on the intersection of tech and human rights. Check out his piece on this subject on vice.com. Now coming up, this big Hollywood actor got turned away by an IHOP worker. Why the video is going viral on TikTok next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, This TikTok video has gotten 9 million views. So it comes from this IHOP waitress or hostess, Diana Rodas, who basically did this video challenge that's on TikTok, revealing that she turned away comedian Adam Sandler, who went to IHOP, obviously just wanted to sit there and eat. And she said, no, sorry, it's going to be 30 minutes. She didn't recognize that it was him. And now she regrets not recognizing that it was Adam Sandler. Like, she should have given him a table, which I'm actually happy she didn't. I'm happy she decided to stand her ground and treat him like a regular person. I'm actually shocked that uh, Adam Sandler's not more of a Denny's person than an IHOP person. The real question He gives me more of a Denny's person than IHOP, to be quite honest. What would you consider a Denny's person versus an IHOP person? 
Adam Sandler. I don't know what that like means. Like, I don't even know what a Denny's person is. Well, a, a Denny's person is someone who would be in a group with Adam Sandler. Okay. And IHOP, like, who goes to IHOP? Me. The people who enjoy taste <laughs> and really good food. <laughs> The International House of Pancakes is just that girl, and there's nothing else that you can say about it. All right, I'm but revealing I, I, something. I, of course, would not have yeah. waited 30 minutes for an IHOP table. Well, that's the thing. So, he, you know, he was smart to leave, but she was like, please come back. Please yeah. come back. No, he went somewhere else. Probably, to be honest, he also gives me like he's a McDonald's breakfast drive through person. Oh. So he probably said, forget IHOP. Just load up the kids. We're going to get a, a sausage biscuit. At the McDonald's. And I love, though, what, what people are calling out is that he didn't use the famous card. He just goes, okay. He is a regular guy and pretty sure all of it. And she proved that Gen Zers do not know who he is. I mean, we're in a new time he's right out now. Of his, he's out of it's his sad. age bracket. I mean, yeah, I feel old. I, I I mentioned just before, but you were talking, I have to reveal something. Oh, so she's saying I ruined her reveal. Okay, yeah, well. I, I've never been to IHOP. Okay, so that is the end of this segment. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not even shocked by that. I've also never been to Denny's, or maybe I don't think I have. You're so bougie, though. I'm not. I used to. I just. I don't know. She just became an adult like last week, so <laughs> of course she hasn't been to IHOP. But IHOP is adulting. <laughs> yes, yes, it's the premium version of adulting. I can't for take it. sure. I can't. Okay, let us know what you think. Are you an IHOP or Denny's person? <laughs> At LGT Show is where Team you can find IHOP us on social way. media. Coming up, why Justin Bieber is being accused of cultural appropriation. That's next on our What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with, with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming. Oh. oh wait. Wrong, that, wrong that was just. The early, that was an early exclusive to the T-Report. Yep. Sorry. Stick around. Just joking. Coming up this hour, what to expect from Biden's address to Congress today. Happening in 53 minutes. Mm-hmm. Washington Post joins us for that little recap tease. Plus, a new report that reveals how the next generation of women are embracing more diverse sexuality. Love to hear it. That's in 30 minutes. You think your sexuality is becoming more diverse? <laughs> oh, I don't. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> Does it sound confident yeah. to me? No, I feel like I've definitely had more of an awareness. There's things that uh, I wouldn't have done in the past, but. I mean, I just didn't think about it. I've always felt like I was open to everything. I just never oh had the God. chance. It's only Shira who answers a question like she's answering like something like an existential crisis. <laughs> like or a therapy session. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> I'm just trying to be honest with how I answer, not just be like a soundbite. I'm a human too. Let's get into someone's trending this hour. Boom, boom, boom. Federal prosecutors indicted the three men accused of killing Ahmed Arbery on hate crime and attempted kidnapping charges today. Arbery, a 25-year-old black man, was out for a jog near Brunswick, Georgia, on February 23rd, 2020, when he was chased down in a truck by three men and fatally shot. Two of the three men, Gregory and Travis McMichael, claimed to be conducting a citizen's arrest and acted in self-defense. Yeah, and a third man, William Bryan Jr., who actually recorded that video of Arbery's death, who thought, oh yeah, I'll just get away with that, allegedly hit Arbery with his truck after he joined the McMichaels in the chase. So they're all being indicted. And Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf made it clear to the Republican majority legislator that if they pass a ban on trans girls and women in sports, it will be vetoed. 
Although the GOP has a majority in both the state house and Senate, it does not have a two-thirds majority in either chamber, and that would be the required amount to override a veto in the state. So Governor Wolf actually released a statement when the bill was first proposed that he would veto it should it pass, but they didn't hear that clearly. So he tweeted it again, spelled it out for them. I'll veto this discriminatory bill if it gets to my desk. There, there you have it. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf, an early yes queen. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, let's talk Justin Bieber. And to be honest, I think it's too late now to say sorry. You saw what I did there? Yeah. That was nice, right? I thought at least you would like play a clip. Okay. I, you know, I was doing that, but I'm doing a lot of different things here, Shira. Goodness gracious, here. Um, okay, oh, yes. so it's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. I have no clue if this is just an instrumental or if we're going to start hearing him sing. Okay, yeah. it's okay. I'll just play it underneath. So he's being accused. Justin D. Bieber is being accused um, of cultural appropriation. And this is just after five years of already being accused of cultural appropriation for the same thing. I don't know if y'all saw his Instagram. He's wearing dreadlocks. I don't know why he decided to go back to dreadlocks after, you know, creating such a whole thing in 2016, wearing the same things. Um, But he showed off his new look in a series of Instagram posts on Sunday. And, you know, fans are not happy with it because one, I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, there he looks very dirty, like hasn't showered in a very long time. Like he's like soap. Never heard of her. Don't know who that is. It's a look. It's, yeah. So, why, so I have a question because we know, there's a YouTuber we know who has uh, dreadlocks. Who? Louis. Cool. Oh, okay. Is yes, that yes, considered yes. like, is he being culturally appropriating? Yeah, essentially, yeah. So sure. anyone who wears dreads is culturally If you are not uh, from essentially what people define as is the culture, it is, it is not okay. And I think he got a lot of extra, you know, heat because... Um, you know, he actually had Martin Luther King Jr. sampled on his album, his new album, Justice, only to then wear dreadlocks kind of as a white man and ignoring the his- the hairstyle's historical significance. And I think Justin Bieber has been, his career lately has been trying to prove that he's like this R&B artist. And it's just, it, you see him kind of tiptoeing into a lane that doesn't feel as authentic. And people are calling that out. And, um, you know, one fan said, Justin needs to look into why dreadlocks are considered to be cultural pro. Appropriation. If he educated himself on the topic, he wouldn't be doing it. Someone else said, Justin, sweetheart, you have to understand that to support black people and the anti-racism movement, you have to be coherent to what you preach. And that means not doing a cultural appropriation ever. Dreadlocks do not look good on you. I mean, for me, yes, it's cultural appropriation, but it's also he looks bad. Yeah, it's not like like who he did looks, that to his hair, though? I mean, looks like he stays downtown. Did, did he? If you do know it, what I mean. Um, did he do it himself? I don't or know. Like, I don't know. Who did he did it. get like a, a hairstylist? I don't know. It's it. It really feels like he's on this spiral. Um, I'm not really understanding. If um, I don't know if y'all saw the clip, um, but he also decided that his song "Lonely" was the best song to sing to prisoners um, because he 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 basically went to the California State Prison in LA County last month and performed his super depressing track uh, "Lonely." Here's that moment. Cause I've had everything But no one's listening And that's just fucking lonely 
imagine singing a song called Lonely, which is about him, and he's like relating it to a small group of prisoners who definitely had no problem relating to a song about the struggles of fame and most certainly wanting to be reminded of their loneliness behind bars. I mean... Like, was he trying to be, like, Johnny Cash or something with the prison album? I don't know. I mean, do you think, like, that that day they were like, okay, everyone, Justin Bieber's coming. We're going to shoot video of him singing to you. I'm over Justin. To be quite honest, I'm seriously over him. I know he did uh, respond, and he he made it about, you know, everyone has insecurities, and and he was basically essentially said that God told him to get these dreads. So I'm not sure. Maybe he's embarking on a new journey as Moses. But Spirituality. Whatever. So here, I, I think that he has good intentions. No, I just think, why do you think he has good intentions? I don't think he's a bad person. I don't think there's like, oh, he's like evil or he's trying people, to make the world but a here's bad the place. Thing. That's interesting, right? When people are telling you, your fans are telling you that this is a bad move because of the uh, historical reasons. There could be reasons. a bad move without bad intentions. Why is he not listening to them? Well, over 24 hours. I mean, do you think I, I'm... No, it's been a while, actually. It's been, he got these dreads on Sunday. It's been over 24 hours. Of, and he has talked about mental health issues. So. What's that? I think you're just making excuses. Do you for think this he climate. is like the. Is he like the white Kanye? I'm ignoring you. And no, but like, meaning else like, is it, is, also is like, Shira. no, but meaning like, is he having like a mental health, like that type of. I don't care what he's having, extreme, to be quite like, honest. I just need him to get it together because instead of actually recognizing it, he's making excuses uh, for it and it's just inappropriate. And. The real kicker, he doesn't look good in them. And that's your tea report. I'm done spilling. Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com to look at any of the stories that I have covered today. And, of course, keep the conversation going. Let me know. Do you like Justin Bieber's trash, like, rat tail dreadlock things? I don't know. But he does look like he lives somewhere on Hollywood Boulevard. Thank you, Ryan. On the streets. Food for thought here. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are wrapping up our show, as we always do, with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. So American Academy of Family Physicians, they represent physicians, residents, med students, and more. They reported that only 3.2% of their members identify as LGBTQ. That is a very small amount. And that's why representation is important. And we wanted to highlight TikTok and social media star at that gay doctor, who's a primary care physician in Chicago. And um, he is making it his mission to increase queer visibility in the office and online. I love that. Yeah. You know, I think that's very important. When I look for a doctor, uh, when I found my doctor, um, when I got health insurance, um, <laughs> was uh, the important thing was to find someone who who deals who has LGBTQ clients or you know people who come see them and they know how to one respectfully talk about things and 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 they're just modern and with the times and and LGBTQ plus health is so important and so I I, I love this representation in medicine and and just creating more of a, a safe space for queer people in in the medical world. Yeah, he shared with this with BuzzFeed. I want to increase queer visibility using TikTok in order to show everyone that you can balance being a respectable professional while also being your authentic self. I know that the platform is largely youth, and I want anyone who's struggling with accepting their identity to see that you can be out and proud and thriving in life as well. And he's gotten like over half a million followers, uh, and he's, his videos are all about removing judgment from medical appointments, being his full self, of course, while on the job, and campaigning for minority communities to be a breath of fresh air. I mean, 
so nice, right? So we want to give uh, again a big yes, Queen, to at that gay doctor. Definitely follow him, and that does it for our yes, Queen of the day and our show. Yes, yes, and don't forget, check out that Vanity Fair uh, article with Elliot Page and Thomas Page McBee, uh, the trans journalist. I can't shout him out enough because it's just so good. And just seeing that representation in journalism and getting that opportunity, I'm telling you, great moment. Well, we appreciate you for hanging out with us, being part of our family and listening. We are back tomorrow, weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about why it's good for kids to have friends from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Plus, uh, something we all need right now, (laughs) how to make small talk when you haven't seen anyone in a year. It could be draining. Or maybe just don't make small talk. Let's just throw small talk away. The way you talk, you're good with small talk. Oh, all right. Maybe I'm going to be the expert. That's tomorrow's show. And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, don't you worry. We post everything as a podcast. So catch up on everything. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We're sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Loveline with Dr. Chris where he's covering how to discuss difficult news. That's next. Bye, y'all.